WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into 90.7 The Capstone. This is the game day show live on the campus of the University of Alabama. I'm Nazario Pangallo, and today is Conference Championship Saturday. We had one game last night, Oregon-Washington, in which Washington got a big victory as 9.5-point underdogs. But let's talk about what's important. Alabama versus Georgia happening today at 3 o'clock Central Time in Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Number one ranked 12 and 0 Georgia Bulldogs versus number eight ranked 11 and 1 Alabama Crimson Tide. Before we get to that game, we're going to talk about Alabama Auburn, and then after we talk about that game, we're going to get into some other stuff as well, talking about the other conference championship games and diving into a little bit of some playoff scenarios. What Alabama needs to happen needs to have happen so that they can advance into the playoffs and play for a championship. And then also we'll be diving into all the things that is the coaching carousel and the transfer portal that officially opens in two days that will be a lot of fun to see everything that's gone down but there has been a multitude of quarterbacks who have put their name into the transfer transfer portal so far already so let's get into it as i said this is the game day show i'm nazario pangallo Let's talk about Alabama-Auburn. Obviously, if you're going to talk about this game, you have to talk about the ending. So let's run it all back. Alabama has the ball down 24-20 to 20 with about four and a half minutes, five minutes left. on. Well, they first get the ball with six minutes on the clock. So you're thinking there's a lot of time for Alabama to go down and score and take the lead. Well, they get stopped. Then James Burnup has to punt. James Burnup punts it away. The Alabama, or sorry, the Auburn punt returner fumbles, muffs the punt, and Jihad Campbell picks it up. Alabama gets the ball back. One of the craziest things I think I've ever heard is this was a different punt returner than the entire game. And even crazier is the head coach of Auburn, Hugh Freeze, had no idea that they changed punt returners. There is no rationale between, behind why they changed punt returners, but apparently the player that was taking the punts, the first three punts of the game, was different than the one who muffed the punt, but they had the same number. Crazy thing right there. So then Alabama gets the ball back on Auburn's 30-yard line, four and a half minutes left. You, know, you feel pretty good that Alabama's going to go get this done. Well, then on second and 11, Jalen Milrow gets sacked for nine yards. So it's third and 20. And this is before the third and th- the fourth and 31. Third and 20, Jalen Milrow runs for 19 yards to set up a fourth and one. Okay, so then we have Roy Dell Williams. We have what looks like Alabama is going to run a tush push on fourth and one. Jalen Milrow doesn't like what he sees in the inside, decides to go to the pitch on the outside. And what a fantastic block by C.J. Dupree on the outside to set up that play to get that first down. So then Alabama's cooking inside Auburn's 10-yard line, and they're draining a lot of clock. Well, then this is where it goes absolutely haywire. So we have you know the first down play, run of negative one yards then we have 
the snap, the mistimed snap. Um, I do have to say about that is Nick Saban did say in his press conference that he believes that the Auburn safety came up and clapped in the background. That's what caused Seth McLaughlin to snap this ball before Jalen Milrow was ready. You know, go back and watch the film. It does seem to look like that. No guarantees there, but that should be a penalty if that's what happened. Um, anyways, so that mistimed snap happens. Then Jalen Milrow um, has the illegal forward pass called, and that sets up the infamous fourth and 31, the Milrow miracle, the grave digger, Milrow to bond, so many different names, but we all were watching it. Fourth and 31, Jalen Milrow only rushed by two Auburn players. Um, I'll give the credit to the offensive line for at least holding those guys in, giving Jalen Milrow and the wide receivers plenty of time to figure this out. But then Auburn also spied somebody, which was incredibly interesting considering Jalen Milrow would have had to run 31 yards, um, with nine guys, eight guys looking at him in the end zone. Anyways, uh, Jalen Milrow still makes a fantastic play, an absolutely perfect throw. You cannot throw a ball more perfectly into the corner. Isaiah Bond, I'm not sure how he did this, but a lot of times you'll see cornerbacks, if the ball is in the air that long, especially when they're standing down there for so long, be able to turn their eyes towards the football. But Isaiah Bond did a fantastic job of really disguising that, you know, the ball really wasn't coming yet. This The Auburn defender had no idea the ball was coming until too late. And then Isaiah Bond was, was able to get that separation and go up and make a fantastic catch. And Alabama, no idea how they did it, somehow found a way to win this football game. And that's really been the story of this entire team all year is just being resilient and finding different ways to win, just like Washington, who found different ways to win. And we saw what they did last night against an Oregon team that they were supposed to get pummeled by. They found another way to win football games. It is hard, extremely hard to win football games in college football. Margin of error, very small. But Alabama's found ways in a variety of ways, whether it be being able to throw the ball down the field with a lot of success, like against Texas A&M, or whether it be against LSU when Jalen Milrow absolutely had a phenomenal game on the ground and had four rushing touchdowns. This team's done it in a variety of ways. The defense always finds a way to make enough stops to win, win the game. So let's talk about this entire football game before we get into Alabama-Georgia. So we're going to go over the offense first. Um, really a lot of the success of this offense in this game was Jalen Milrow um, being able to scramble on pass plays. He, he ran for over 100 yards um, on 18 carries. I, I think maybe three or four of them, maybe even less, were designed quarterback runs. They really stayed away from the design quarterback run in this game, which is perfectly fine. Jalen Milrow still had success on the ground. But it really was impressive to see Jalen Milrow be decisive when he wanted to, wanted to run the football. You know, he's standing back there, you know, looking for wide receivers down the field. But he didn't, you know, kind of move up in the pocket and then try to really buy it at the line of scrimmage, whether he was going to throw it or whether he was going to pass it. He said he made a decision and just took off and used his speed to, you know, make some big plays, big third down runs. He also had a fantastic game through the air, pretty efficient, 16 of 24, 259 yards and two touchdowns. Obviously had the big play to Jermaine Burton, that big touchdown at the end of the second quarter that gave Alabama some momentum going into halftime. Um, but, you know, early on in this game, it looked like Alabama, the offense had a really good chance of putting up a lot of points. And then they had the first drive of the game, 
The offense goes right down the field. Roy Dell Williams punches it in for the touchdown. Um, and that was that t- touchdown marked the 18th consecutive time this team has scored a touchdown in a red zone possession. That was something that was a little bit of a struggle early on in the season. You know, the offense only scored 13 touchdowns and searched 23 red zone trips. Um, but now they've fixed that. They're 10th nationally in red zone, red zone scoring. They scored touchdowns on 32 of 45 attempts in the red zone. So that... We'll talk about that later, but that is a great thing to see from this Auburn game and throughout the entirety of the season that will be extremely important in this Georgia game that's happening later today. So let's move to the defense. I think for a lot of people, you know, they would say that the defense was the most shocking part of this Auburn-Alabama game from last week. They let up 24 points. They let up over 200 rushing yards, which... Um, it's pretty shocking. A lot of people did not expect that, especially after what we saw Auburn's offense do against New Mexico State when they put up 10 points against a um, non-Power 5 opponent. Uh, so, But obviously we knew we were going to get everything that Auburn had, so it's not super unexpected. But you would have wished that the defense played a little bit better. Um, I, we're going to talk about this a little bit with Georgia as well in their game against Georgia Tech. But personally, I believe that both Auburn, sorry, both Alabama and Georgia were looking ahead to each other in the SEC championship game, which caused you know both of their games to little to be a lot closer than expected. Both defenses um, did not play up to you know the caliber that they believe they can play. So let's talk about Auburn, how they had success against Alabama early on in this game, first half especially, we saw the running backs really get to Alabama, um, whether it be the big touchdown drive, it was a five-play 68-yard drive in which they scored a touchdown, or the three-play 88-yard drive that they scored a touchdown on. The, the basically were all run plays. You had Damari Alston with a big 56-yard run on that one drive, and then you also had Jarquez Hunter with a 42-yard run. So what Auburn was having a lot of success with was, you know, these double pulling blockers around the outside and these misdirection motion runs. And what's what's happening with those what was happening with those plays is, you know, the line of the offensive linemen for Auburn were able to get up to that second level and make some plays to get some blocks on the linebackers and it takes a lot of linebacker discipline to make plays in these double-pulling blockers schemes, especially when there's misdirection motion as well. Because if the linebackers are seeing with their eyes going one way, then they pull to the other side. A little counteraction helps these offensive linemen get up into the hole, get up to the second level, and spring big, big runs, which is what happened in the first half. Another part of it is Alabama, we know, loves to run a lot of man coverage, which is their bread and butter. Absolutely do not go away from that. But it causes linebackers and safeties to make a lot of these tackles around the edge, around around the outside, that, you know, the cornerbacks really aren't there to help because they're either running down the field with their wide receiver, who may be just running them off that play, or, you know, they're just getting blocked one-on-one because they're sitting in this man coverage. So it's it's difficult for cornerbacks to get off their blocks or get off their coverages because they think it might be a, a pass play and help in the run game. So it's really up to these linebackers to get into their fits, be in the right spots, get off blocks and make tackles. The line of scrimmage line of scrimmage was not fantastic um, early on in the run game. They really let Auburn get after them. So that's that's going to be a key for this game as well. Um, and then once they had implemented a lot of their outside run game early on in the first half, we saw in the second half Peyton Thorne start to get his 
his run game going as well. And the big thing was, you know, they went into halftime there. Alabama was like, okay, we got to figure out this outside run game, which I thought they did a lot better with in the second half. However, it left some gaps in, you know, the middle of the defense. And Peyton Thorne was really able to get some QB draws going, get some inside run game. And he ran for 56 of his 57 yards in the second half. So, you know, Auburn did a lot of different things. Um, I think we're going to see a little bit more fire from the Alabama defense, especially after this performance. So at least that's one way you can think of it is, you know, this is going to motivate them to say, oh, you know, we didn't play our best last week. We're going to really step up here for this SEC championship. Another thing was the um, secondary. Obviously, they only let up five completions the entire game. So you have to give them a ton of credit for that. But there was a few plays in the second half where you were looking and you're saying, these guys look wide open on, a, I believe it was like just two or three pass plays where these Auburn players looked wide open, and including the Jar- Javarius Johnson go-ahead touchdown there in the third quarter where he was wide open along the sideline. And as a credit to Auburn in the way that they were running their schemes, they knew about the man coverage. They knew about trying to get matchups and trying to get some bump and, ru- bump and rub with our cornerbacks and our safeties, trying to mix that up can confuse them. So it was really just a little bit of bump and rub concepts. I was confusing our secondary a little bit where, you know, one guy would go with one guy or one guy would get bumped by a receiver and leave a guy wide open. Um, that happened in one of the slants over the middle of the field for Auburn. So that is some things that happened in this Auburn game that, you know, really confused the defense, made it a little bit of a struggle. Um, I'm not sure if this made a difference, but it was noted that Malachi Moore switched to playing uh, safety. And Caleb Downs moved into the star position, which is more of like more of the slot um, coverage area. And Caleb Downs has been playing more safety, like in the back end. Um, they switched those two. Um, to me, I didn't see a difference watching this football game from the outside. Didn't really see a difference of it. Didn't really see any stats or writings about it that clearly made clearly said that this was a big difference in this game but you know that's Alabama versus Auburn all those different things that happened in that game Alabama you know I don't know how I don't know how they found a way to win that football game that was a really really resilient finish at the end obviously aided a little bit by Auburn's inability to get to Jalen Milrow on the final play but still credit is due to Jalen Milrow Isaiah Bond to finding an opening in the corner. It's just a fantastic play, um, and you really keep playoff chances alive for Alabama. So I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be right back to talk about Georgia versus Alabama coming up in the SEC championship game in just a few hours. Thank you all for tuning in, and I'll be right back. WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 90.7 The Capstone. This is the game day show live on the campus of the University of Alabama. It is conference championship Saturday. I'm Zari Pangallo back with you all. We just talked about Alabama versus Auburn from last week. I'll give you guys a little recap of that game. Now it is time to dive in to the game today. Alabama versus Georgia. Number one, Georgia versus number eight, Alabama. 
On one end, you have Georgia's 29-game winning streak. Back-to-back national champions, one of them over Alabama 2022, and then this past year against TCU. But let's talk about one of Alabama's streaks. You know, Since Alabama lost to Florida in the 2008 SEC Championship, Alabama is 16-0 in Atlanta with eight wins over top 10 teams, seven wins over top five teams, 12 wins by double digits. Nine of those games were in the Georgia Dome, while the other seven in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and that included three SEC championships and one national championship. It has Kirby Smart comes in one in four against Nick Saban. His only victory against Alabama in the national championship against Bryce Young. Um, and you know this is Georgia's chance to finally win an SEC championship against Alabama, and this is Alabama's chance to end Georgia's win streak and stop them from winning two championships in a row. Um, so let's let's talk about it. Um, obviously last game. Against Georgia Tech, Georgia looked not their best. Not their best. They were obviously not as close as the Alabama-Auburn game, but it was clear to see that both of these teams were looking ahead to this game. And I think that's going to lead to an absolutely incredible football game today between Georgia and Alabama. You have two incredible coaches, two incredible motivators, and obviously these teams are looking forward to each other. And you have so many different things on both sides of this game. I think you are going to get everything from both teams. All the different play calls. All the different types of variations of schemes and all of that. And you're going to have two teams that are just so fired up to play for each other. There has never been a bigger SEC championship in the college football playoff era because of what this game means. Georgia, Alabama, you have... Georgia looking like they're going to want to take over Alabama as the perennial powerhouse in college football. They've done that the past two seasons in winning back-to-back national championships, but now it's time to beat Alabama in the national championship or in the SEC championship, and you can basically walk your way to a three-peat if you're Georgia. You don't have to play Alabama again if you beat them right here, and then you know you're playing either probably maybe Florida State in the first round and then Michigan or Washington in the second round, depending on how different things go and all of that. So if you're Georgia, you're saying, man, this is our shot right here to go for the three-peat, something Nick Saban himself has never done. That's crazy to say after Nick Saban's dominance. Georgia could say that they did something that Nick Saban has not done. So the motivations are just absolutely everywhere. And I think that both teams not playing their best last week just leads to even more fire and passion between these two programs right here in this game. So let's talk a little bit about Georgia Georgia Tech. Carson Beck was held to his lowest passing yard game of the season, only 175. Um, But... The most important thing about that game was he played the game without Brock Bowers, their star tight end, Lad McConkey, their star wide receiver, Ra Ra Thomas, who has been coming along as well at wide receiver, and then their starting offensive lineman, guard Tate Ratledge. All four of these guys did not play last week. All four of these guys have still not been confirmed or taken out of this game on Saturday. Um, Kirby Smart has really not said a ton about it, said they're probably going to be game time decisions. I would be very shocked if... All four did not play. Um, It's going to make a huge difference if any of them don't play in this game, especially Brock Bowers and Lab McConkie. 
two leading receivers for this Georgia Bulldog team when they've been on the field. But one thing that has been coming along for Georgia that was not there a ton early on in this season is their rushing attack. Um, Kendall Milton has really stepped up and finally got healthy, really, for the first time in his career. He ran for 156 yards against Georgia Tech, two touchdowns, 8.7 yards per carry. And he had a huge game against Ole Miss as well. This guy is really coming along. This rushing attack for Georgia is really coming along. And Georgia Tech stormed back in that fourth quarter to make it a one-possession game. Georgia got the ball back one time, needing to close it out. And they were able to do that with their rushing attack. So, clearly, their rushing attack has gotten a lot better. They can run the football. They can throw the football as well. Now, on the other side of the football... Georgia has looked a little bit different than they have in the past two years. Last two years, linebackers and defensive line, the best in the country. Multiple NFL players, N'Kobe Dean, Trevon Walker, um, Davis. They've had a lot of guys in that front seven that have been dominant, and they have shut down opponents' run games and gotten after the quarterback all the time. That is not how this team works exactly. This team has fallen a little bit down in that aspect. They are number 48 in rush yards per carry allowed. They were top three in the country in the previous two seasons. Their sack percentage has also gone down. It's their number 61 in the country this year after being top 10 in the past two years in that aspect as well. But this team has an absolutely elite secondary, multiple guys that will probably eventually get drafted, and they've done an incredible job of that. They've only allowed, however, they've only allowed one 100-yard rusher this season. That was Cody Schrader. Um, a lot of teams have found ways to run in other ways, but you know it just hasn't been as dominant from that Georgia front seven that we've seen in the past two seasons. And that is where I think Alabama has to take advantage of this game in a lot of different ways with Jalen Milrow and with the rushing attack. Now, one aspect of that is Jace McClellan got hurt. He hurt his foot in the Auburn game. He left in a boot and crutches. There is no official statement out on whether he will be playing in this game or not, so that would be an interesting thing to watch. Obviously, we still have Roy Dell Williams, Marion Miller, and maybe even Justice Haynes could get some touches in this game depending on if he is out. There is still depth in this rushing, in this running back room if Jason McClellan were not to play. Obviously, you would love him to be there with his speed and his leadership and all of that. We will have to see. But a huge aspect of this game is Jalen Milrow and his ability to run the football. Kirby Smart has said how Jalen Milrow is a bigger physical version of Lamar Jackson. We have seen physical runs by Jalen Milrow multiple times this season, lowering his shoulder, running through safeties and cornerbacks and all of that. Georgia against running quarterbacks or against any type of quarterback on design quarterback runs have allowed 4.6 yards per carry which is 36 in the country on scrambles they have allowed 6.9 per carry which is 70th in the country one thing that georgia tech was able to do last week is run the football really really well against georgia and they were able to do that on the outsides and in between the tackles so I think that is where Alabama has to attack and keep it balanced 
going outside and going inside in the run game. I think they need to set up Jalen Milrow as a runner early on with some design runs. More zone read action is what I'm thinking to get Jalen Milrow on the outside so that it keeps the linebackers and the edge players of Georgia on edge and puts them in a place of conflict when Alabama decides to run the football where Jalen Milrow can either hand it to Chase McClellan, Roydell Williams, whoever's playing running back, up the middle in the inside between the tackles or pull it himself around the outside. Put that in the thought of the Georgia players and make it really difficult on them. Then I think it's going to be extremely important for Jalen Milrow to make plays with his legs in the passing game. This secondary, as we talked about, is phenomenal for Georgia. They really shut down number one receivers. Luther Burden, the number one receiver for Missouri, he did not play very well against Georgia. Just one example right there. I think Jalen Milrow is going to have to make plays with his legs. I think one aspect of it is he doesn't always have to take off and run because I'm sure Georgia will have a spy there for Jalen Milrow but when he does decide to run he's got to be decisive I would love to see it in third downs um, third downs big first down runs that really takes the life out of a defense and I think Jalen Milrow needs to buy time in the pocket to give his receivers extra chances we saw a lot of that with CJ Stroud last year in the playoff semifinals where he was able to buy time with his legs and find big plays down the field with his arm so that I think is a huge aspect of this football game. Um, and then one thing that the offensive line has talked about and one thing that they've done is just played so much better since early on in the season. We came into the season talking about how incredible the offensive line was going to be and we thought that they were going to carry this offense. Early on, that did not happen. Obviously, we know about the struggles protecting the passer and getting the run game going. But I think the bye game, or sorry, bye week really helped this offensive line to get going. Before the bye week, this team was averaging 147 rushing yards per game, which was 78th nationally. And that would have been a Saban-era low if it had gone on through the entirety of the season. In the four games since then, this Alabama offense is averaging 238 yards rushing yards per game, and they've risen to 44th in yards per game for the season. The yards per carry average has also increased from 37 to, sorry, not 37, 3.7 yards per carry to 4.9 yards per carry. And during this past month, Alabama has allowed four sacks. Only four sacks compared to 35 sacks allowed in the first eight games. So that has been a huge aspect. And Tyler Booker has talked about it. He's the starting offensive guard for Alabama. He's, this is his quote. We're going to go direct quote. Talking about Jalen Murrow's ability to step up in the pocket and not bail out um, too early. He said it's helped a lot. His pocket awareness is major for us as an offensive line because in order for us to protect, we have to kind of feel for where he's at. My mindset as a guard and an interior offensive lineman let me stay firm up front so he has somewhere to step up. So just for him to have awareness, to step up in the pocket, make those big plays, that's amazing. That just shows how much better he's getting, how much better everybody's getting. That's what really, really encouraged me about this team. That's why I'm so proud of everybody on this team. Like week by week, we're getting better at something and Quote, 
So that's Tyler Booker right there talking about that. And it's been an incredible journey for this whole offense, you know, whether it's Tommy Reese really being able to use his strengths and find ways to get his best players the ball, whether it be the offensive line getting a better push up front, whether it be them getting better in pass protection and Jalen Milrow helping them in pass protection, making smarter plays and being more accurate with the football, his completion percentage has risen from 63% to 67%. So his accuracy has gotten a lot better. We've seen a lot more medium to short throws as well mixed in with the deep passing game, which is just beautiful to see. Um, So that is a lot of different things to talk about. Let's talk about the defense now of Alabama. What do they need to do in this game to find ways to be successful? I think the huge thing about this game is getting into passing downs. Make Georgia be in passing downs. I don't think that's going to be easy because I think they've got a lot of weapons on the outside, whether it be Ra Ra Thomas with Lab McConkey or Brock Bowers. I, I assume all of them will be playing. This is a huge game. I would be shocked if they didn't play in this football game. But they've got a lot of success on the outside. Carson Beck gets the ball out really fast, lets his guys work in space. Tackling is going to be huge. So it's going to be a key to tackle and get pressure early on and stop the run game so that they can get in passing, passing downs. Now, if we look at third down, Georgia is number one in third down conversion right now. The Alabama defense, number 29th in the country in third down conversion allowed, which is not bad at all, but we need to step it up even more. Third downs are going to be probably the biggest game of this and biggest downs of this entire football game. The teams that are able to find ways to convert on third down and the teams that the team that doesn't probably going to be the entire difference in this football game. I expect Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell to get after Carson Beck. I don't believe that Georgia has faced a pass rush that is anywhere close to this Alabama defense. And I think Kevin Steele has done a fantastic job of disguising blitzes and coverages with quarterbacks to deceive their eyes. And one thing about Georgia is they have done a phenomenal job of protecting their quarterbacks so far this season. Number six in the country in QB sack percentage allowed, only allowed 2% of dropbacks have been sacks, which is just a phenomenal number. Obviously, Kirby Smart recruits phenomenally, and their offensive linemen are big dudes, but... Tim Keenan in the inside, Justin Agorby in the inside as well. Those guys have got to get put a good push up front, allow Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell to be one-on-one with these tackles. If these two guys are one-on-one on the outside, it's going to be incredibly difficult for the Georgia tackles to cover these guys, and it's going to force Georgia to really try to get the ball out quick, which is difficult when you face a secondary that gets up and plays physical like this one does. You have... Kool-Aid McKintree, Taron Arnold playing outside at corner. They're always pressing. They're always up pushing on the wide receivers on the outside. That means that, you know, those quick passes to the outside are not as easy if they can't get off and have separation early on, which will help the defensive line to get after the quarterback. So that is a huge aspect of this football game. And I think takeaways, if Alabama is able to force one or two takeaways, especially if they're able to do it in the red zone to kill some Georgia drives or set up this offense in great field position, can change the entirety of the football game. Right now, Georgia's defense is 102nd in takeaways. The Georgia offense is number 40 in giveaways. Alabama, number 52nd number 52 in takeaways, and number 12 in giveaways. So not a clear favorite on there, a lot of different variations. But turnovers, 
They are a week-by-week, game-by-game thing. Unless a team is absolutely awful in the turnover margin, when it comes to one game, turnovers can be flipped in any way. Almost impossible to you know, know what's going to happen in the turnover battle. Obviously, from Alabama, can't be turning the football over, whether it be Jalen Milrow making good decisions, being able to just check it down, nobody fumbling. And then Alabama making some plays, trying to punch a ball out, trying to you know, hopefully get an interception on Carson Beck. But we've seen in these football games, in the LSU and Tennessee game especially, that turnovers that have absolutely changed this football game, whether it be the Jihad Campbell fumble return for a touchdown or, or the Terrion Arnold interception against Jaden Daniels. The turnovers have absolutely flipped momentum, helped Alabama catapult to victories over those teams. So I think if Alabama is able to do that, they'll be able to win this game. I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to come back and I'm going to give some predictions for this game, what I think is going to happen. And then I'm going to talk about what needs to happen for Alabama to make the college football playoff and go for their first championship since 2020. So thank you all for listening and I'll be right back. WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 90.7 The Capstone. This is the Game Day Show live on the campus of the University of Alabama. I am Nazario Pangalo, and it is Conference Championship Saturday, Alabama versus Georgia at 3 o'clock Central Time in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We have got you guys all ready for that football game, got all your stats. You're all ready for that. Now it's time to make a prediction. All right. Early on in this game, I think it's going to be an absolute battle. I think at halftime, it'll be 14-10, 14-13. It could go either way on who is winning at halftime. I think some big things early on are going to be Jalen Milrow making some plays with his legs, being able to find some tough yardage in the run game in the inside the trenches. I think this defense is going to come out early, come out hot, I think they're going to find a way to hold Georgia pretty solidly in the first half, allow only just a 10 to 14 points. I think they hold them pretty good. I think this I think this defense is going to be fired up for this game. I really believe that. I really believe Kevin Steele is going to find a way to give Georgia a lot of fits on that side of the football. And I think the second half, like Alabama has done all season, I think they make great halftime adjustments. And I think they come out in this second half and they play a phenomenal second half of football. I think I think Alabama's going to be able to run the f- football in the second half. I think Tommy Reese is going to mix it up really well with play action, deep shots, Jalen Milrow in the run game. I think they're going to do a lot of different things in the second half. And I think they really not pull away, but I think they dominate the second half of the game. I think Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell really get after the quarterback. I think Terrion Arnold, Caleb Downs, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Malachi Moore, I think the whole secondary really shows this Georgia 
offense, what a real defense is about. And I think Alabama comes out and I think they dominate the second half. And I think they win this football game 31-17. to 17. I really believe that Alabama is going to come out fired up. I think Nick Saban has been preparing for this game for a long time. The growth of his football team has been spectacular. And I think these two teams, listen, these two teams are extremely talented, both of them. They are number one and number two in 24-7 sports composite, best team, best teams, best recruits, best players. These are the top two most talented football teams in the country. So it's all about really execution in between the ears, all mental, who goes out there and who executes on the field. And I think Alabama, while they've had some times where it hasn't looked great, they have found ways to win football games, and they are just... They're just a phenomenal team to watch grow and develop the season, and it's been incredibly entertaining to watch that happen. And I think it's going to keep keep going. We're going to see a little bit more, and I think they're going to find a way to beat these George Bulldogs and knock them off their win streak. I think Nick Saban is more motivated to win this game than he's been when he's going for back-to-back national championships or even a three-peat. I think he's more motivated this season more than ever. I think he loves this team more than he is just – He's just poured into this team in so many different ways because he has seen that this team has a lot of room to grow, but he's seen how much they have wanted to grow and how much they pour into it as well, and he has wanted to just give back to them. And this team, they just love each other. They play for each other. Not that Georgia doesn't do any of that, but we're on the Alabama side over here, and we see all of that, and we just love it and I think they find a way to go to Mercedes-Benz Stadium and get this victory 31-17. So, If Alabama wins, then what happens? So last night, we'll talk about it later, Washington beat Oregon. So we know that Washington will be in the college football playoff. Michigan, they play Iowa tonight. I would be thoroughly shocked if Iowa wins that football game. It is – they are complete underdogs in that game. Michigan favored by over three touchdowns. I would expect Michigan to win that game. You would have those two in the college football playoff. And this is when it gets super interesting as an Alabama football fan. You have Florida State and you have Texas. As an Alabama fan, we must have one of those teams win to guarantee and lock up a spot in the playoff. If not, it is going to be a very stressful Saturday night and Sunday morning for all of us here in Tuscaloosa. If you look at Florida State, you say, well, if if they were to win against Louisville, they are an undefeated Power 5 conference champion, and there has never been a committee that has left a Power 5 conference conference champion out of the college football playoff. I really do not see them doing that. Um, I think it would go against basically the entirety of what they've done throughout the years of the college football playoff. And it's really hard if Texas were to win to say that the head-to-head matchup just didn't mean anything and therefore Alabama is just better even though Texas beat Alabama earlier this season. Those two conversations are going to be extremely difficult. One thing that Alabama can do to really show that they're one of the top four teams that they can that they should make it is do everything in your power to beat Georgia by as many points as you can. Obviously, you want to win the game, but beating Georgia by even more makes the win look even more impressive, obviously. If Alabama does that, beat Georgia by more than two or three scores, which would be be 
very incredibly impressive, and I don't know what the odds are of that happening. I don't think they're very high because I think Georgia's the best team, if second best team in the country. Um, but if that were to happen, I think Alabama would have to be in the playoff if they would beat the number one team in the eyes of the committee by more than two or three scores. So that is all very interesting. If we look, we will get into these games as well. Florida State plays Louisville later today, and Texas plays Oklahoma State at 11 a.m. So that is what we're looking at as Alabama fans. Most importantly, have to beat Georgia if... If we don't beat if we don't beat Georgia, none of this even matters. So that's first things first. Beat Georgia. We've talked all these different ways about how that has to happen, what all Alabama needs to do. And I'm looking at the eyes of Tommy Reese, and I'm saying Tommy Reese to do whatever you need to do. Expand your offense. Do whatever you need to do to win this football game. If we looked at Tommy Reese in his first couple of seasons at Notre Dame and then we look at this season, this is by far the best job he's done with an offense. The way this team has you know, grown throughout the years, the way this team has played in big games and found a way to make big plays, that has been an incredible thing to see. And it's one more game for Tommy Reese. One more game that he gets to show how good of an OC he has been, how good his offense is, and how much growth they've made this year against one of the best defenses in the country. I think Tommy Reese is going to throw everything he has. I believe his game plan is going to be really well, and I think Alabama's going to put up a good amount of points. I think Alabama's going to win this football game. I am really confident in Alabama today, and they're going to go get it done. And then hopefully tomorrow – was to be sitting there in the morning watching those college football playoff rankings and finding out where we're going for the playoff, whether that be the Sugar Bowl or the Rose Bowl. We will see. That game is kicking off at 3 o'clock Central Time from Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I thank you all for listening. WVUA-FM, Tuscaloosa.